0: Hello, and welcome to the F-Word. The F-Word, of course, stands for front-end. The wonderful world of web development. Browsers, web standards, and everything in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Vadim McKeith.
1: And I'm Bruce Lawson, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham in the UK, where it's
0: cold and dark. What about you, Vadim? Yeah, it's snowy, cold and dark in St. Petersburg. I think we're just across the road from each other.
1: <laughs> Actually, I'm waving from my window.
0: Can you see me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm throwing some flowers. So, h- how's tricks with you? Actually, uh, tomorrow there's going to be a illegal protest uh, going on in Russia. A legal protest or illegal protest? Illegal one. Okay. I think I'm, I'm planning to attend it. So, yeah, very interesting stuff going on in, in Russia these days. But we agreed not to talk about the politics. So, let's move on, I guess. It is time for
1: The News. What's happening, Mr. Peppelsby?
0: Well, I've seen the news that there are some developers not happy with browser editing stuff. Can you imagine that? That's amazing. What are they not happy about? There was a news last year already, around September or even earlier, that Safari added web extension support. And uh, there's there is an interesting question at a website called Six Colors. Where are those extensions? <laughs> because uh, they introduced their model based on um, something similar to Chrome's model. Do you
1: mean that a standard has been retroactively made that happens to codify what Google do?
0: Uh, Sort of. Uh, The same thing and uh, Firefox did a while ago. Mm -hmm. So they removed their uh, Zool-based non-standard model and uh, in favor to Google one, also not standard, but much more common. And that was a success. And uh, the similar thing did Safari. They just ditched their own model, software-based model, and introduced the one that's based on web technologies, but also with some little details that made everything worse. First of all, you need to uh, use Max software to develop it, and you have to write some native code using Xcode. Also, you need to have active developer account, which costs around 99 bucks per year to be able to do that. I'm not sure about you, but apart from those ad blocking extensions and some major companies, the rest of the extensions are just Personal projects of uh, Uh, developers—they're developing their own tools. They rarely make money out of them. Well, there is a model you can sell your extensions to uh, some some shady companies, but it's not the good model. I would suggest so to be able to not make money on your extensions, you need to spend some money to publish it to Apple uh, Store and uh, have a sort of software-based wrapper against uh, around your extension to be able to install it in Safari they did the right thing, moving their extension model to web technologies, but they somehow failed to implement it. And uh, there is an interesting article I mentioned before uh, by Jason Snell. He asked a number of developers if they're happy, if they're planning to uh, move, uh, if they're planning to port their extensions to Safari. And uh, yeah, I I see a number of different answers to this question. Some of them are planning to do so, some of them couldn't be bothered.
1: I completely understand that with um, the client I've been working with. Since September, I've been making an extension mostly for in-house use, but because we forked an existing project, um, my boss has said, we've made it better, let's put it back, and if anybody wants it, they can have it, but even though they're not short of money, the extra step of... Paying 99 bucks to be an Apple developer and little old me in my lunch hour learning how to bake a little bit of special Apple code with Xcode just ain't going to happen. Why would I do it?
0: Yeah, I've seen a number of uh, people uh, from developer community trying to port their extensions to to Safari model. And uh, one of them is from uh, Chrome DevRel, I forgot his name. I think he ported his extension that mimics this behavior. So you can link to any text on a page. So it's a built in functionality in Chromium and he ported it to Safari. What is the extra step
1: you have to do? given that web extensions is using web
0: technologies w- w- what is the purpose of this extra weird wrapper that you have to do i guess they don't have a proper uh, store for extensions they only have a store for applications so they use uh, probably the same sort of platform for both for ios and uh, mac so they uh, decided to, to use the same platform. So to be able to publish something on this platform, it has to be an, a, an application, native one. So you have to basically write an application as a wrapper to your extension, that's, that's how it works. Probably there is a reason uh, for that concerning security and some other issues probably, or maybe helps with the review process, I don't know. On one hand, there is a huge problem in, uh, in extensions world it's full of crap really some fraudulent extensions some authors trying to trick you or steal your money or passwords or show you ads yeah a lot a lot of extensions doing doing weird things if you install them and and it's really hard to uh, regulate the huge number of extensions so google is trying to do so but it's not like they're failing to do so but they're definitely struggling. On the other hand, you can regulate everything and you can put a lot of uh, barriers in front of developers and you'll have uh, like 100 extensions, not 10,000 and you'll have much easier life and you, you you won't have to automate it and hope for the best.
1: Now I understand. So extensions are full of evil people who are scraping your data. Yep giving you nonsense and subverting your security and selling your information. And so are apps. So it's entirely understandable why Safari treat them the same.
0: No, I mean, uh, Safari is trying to play this, uh, well, Apple is trying to play this role in the community that they care about security and they care about their users. And uh, Mm -hmm. if they collect information... They collect it anonymously and only for themselves. They're not selling this information. That's a lot these days, Mm -hmm. really, because uh, I think the main problem is not the collecting information but selling it to third parties. Well, it's it's the biggest uh, part of the problem. And Apple is just keeping it for themselves, or they're just keeping it. They keeping it on your device, like their are and and their announcements. Like we have a lot of information, but we're keeping it on in this secure secure enclave on your iPhone. It it sounds legit to me. And uh, people tend to trust Apple on security. But in this case, they're also limiting uh, the possibilities uh, because there's a, it's not a just a market full of crappy extensions. Uh, there are many valuable uh, developer tools uh, built as extensions to dev tools in, in Chromium or just a overlay layout uh, or multi-screen testing utilities and things like that. They really help so to be able to use them developers install chromium and uh, or firefox it's the same story again apple don't care about the web i guess over and over again they they decided to go with software many years ago and they're still pushing this agenda that's that's what's going on over and over again you've thought more deeply about it than
1: i have because i just when i read that article i just thought well Presumably, extensions on Safari don't work on the iPhone. Who uses Safari when they're not on an iPhone? I've got a Mac, and I only ever fire up Safari if I want to briefly test something. All of my development is done using Firefox and Chromium. Because Is there anybody who's doing development who has a Mac and uses Safari as their predominant browser? I suspect not.
0: Well, I know a close friends of mine. Uh, two of them are using Safari as their main browser. Well, they enjoy using Safari as their browser, not developer tool. But once they go to actual, once they are doing actual work, they have to use either Firefox or Chrome or both of them for different kind of tasks. So it's not that simple. As a user, I also enjoy using Safari on my on my phone or maybe it's just Stockholm syndrome because I don't have a choice really mm-hmm. and. Um... Personally, I would use Safari. I don't have a problem with Safari on desktop, for example, but I'm a developer and uh, I need more from, from browser uh, in terms of APIs, in terms of tools, in terms of extensions that I can install. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also I use, uh, since I'm a developer for, for many years, I also developed a, a number of extensions for myself. And uh, I, I always try to port uh, those extensions to different platforms. I have um, five or six extensions for different use cases, and uh, I, I usually test them in those browsers and then I, I just keep supporting two versions for Chromium and Firefox since they have some differences. But for Safari, I don't think I'll, I'm gonna spend extra, like, almost $100 per year and uh, a, a few weeks of work to just support um, Safari. Because even if I do uh, support Safari, I don't have um, users on Safari for my extensions because they're not developers. Uh, I don't see many developers using Safari for developer needs. They use it as just regular users. So I guess they're, they're, they decided not to spend too much time on, on developers needs as for Safari. So they, they have developer tools. I always say that I'm enjoying dev tools in Safari and I genuinely do, but they are so limited compared to other browsers. So that's, it's not, it's not, it's not a surprise for me to, to see that their extension model is failing. That's the word.
1: I I completely agree. I mean, Safari is a bloody good browser for a consumer, which is the vast majority of people who use the web and the people who our websites serve. But when I'm actually doing development work, I can't only do development work in Safari even if I wish to. I have to use Chrome and Firefox because parts of Firefox dev tools are better. Parts of Chrome dev tools are better. I'm not surprised that people like you and me and certainly people in less in in countries with less income are not paying 100 bucks a, uh, a year for the privilege of porting their stuff to safari when it's probably not going to be used anyway apart from the you know the ad blockers and the big consumer extensions of course
0: yeah there's another problem these days uh, to be able to test in safari you need to have a mac <laughs> well uh, there are uh, Tricky ways to to launch uh, Safari on Windows, but all of them are giving you uh, just a part of Safari, not the whole picture from from macOS. As for iOS, as for mobile Safari, you don't have a choice. You need to have a mobile device. So yeah, that's that that that's another problem. (laughs) So yeah, let's let's uh, let's stop uh, uh, blaming Apple for everything. They do a lot of good good stuff, but apparently not for web developers.
1: Indeed, I was going to say that that I've heard there are ways of installing Mac on non-Mac machines, but that's illegal, and I wouldn't want to tell a man who's going on an illegal march tomorrow to to further lengthen his prison sentence. So what's
0: next, Vadim, on the news? I saw uh, Miriam Suzanne posted the, this uh, at the end of December, I believe. Uh, she posted a, a number of uh, drafts that uh, improve CSS for um, developers' uh, needs. Uh, and, and one of them uh, just uh, hit the uh, W3C official draft. Mm-hmm.
1: The, first pu- the first public working draft of CSS cascading
0: and inheritance, which is um, quite the title. Oh, yeah. So uh, as you know, CSS is cascading mm-hmm. style shits. So the first C is uh, important one. And uh, the cascading nature of CSS, it's always that drives developers crazy. Because the only sane way to, do, to uh, deal with cascade is to either put something later in your code... So it will take precedence or to, to fight the specific, specific. I'm not going to able to to say this word. Even, even native English speakers find it difficult. Specificity. Just like he said. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> to fight this thing uh, with uh, some important or some extra selectors and that weights more.
1: I'm going to stop and disagree with you there. The only sane way to deal with the cascade is to understand the cascade. Most people don't understand it, so they f- they're fighting something that they don't adequately comprehend. But nevertheless, carry
0: on. That's true. But um, I was explaining the way the regular people solve this problem, not just uh, W3C members.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so the solution is to introduce a new uh, at-layer, uh, thing i don't know what's what's the what's, what's the proper name for this thing like at rule maybe there is there is a posh name but i can't remember
1: what it is and everybody calls it an at rule so let's go with that
0: but let's call it at at rule because it start starts with at and there is a new at rule uh, called layer and it will allow you to introduce your own layer or they used to be called origins before and these uh, back uh, decided to rename it to layer so um, uh, imagine that you have some html plain html opened in your browser and usually it looks like absolutely naked but not fully naked because there are some styles already applied to it styles from the browser and browser styles is one origin of styles that you're getting when you're applying some of your code So, including some CSS to your page. You're applying a CSS from another origin, or in the future we will call it from another layer. Because they're not origin. They're nothing to do with, like, cores,
1: for example, which is cross-origin. It's not origins in... In that specific sense,
0: yeah, it's rather a source, different source of styles, source or origin, or yeah, layer is a better word. When you apply those um, styles over browser styles, you don't have to. You don't have to fight specific uh, this thing. Specificity.
1: What we'll do, what we'll do is we'll just make a little, a little audio snap of me saying specificity. And then you could just press the button, have a big red button on your desk.
0: Like, like uh, real podcasters, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so you don't, you don't have to fight. It will take precedence over uh, user agent styles. The same happens when you use some third-party library. For example, you're including some bootstrap code, and you're including it at the head of your document. And to be able to uh, modify those styles, you'll have to specify uh, your own styles later in the code. So we, they will take precedence over bootstrap styles. Mm-hmm. And this um, solution to, uh, to specify something later, so it could overwrite some previous styling, is kind of fragile. Mm-hmm and this cascading inheritance level 5 spec allows you to specify uh the order of importance you might say manually so you can include your origins or your layers in any way you want you can mix them if they wrapped into layer at rule and if you have those names of those layers specified in specific order previously so you can specify that your styles take precedence over bootstrap styles even if bootstrap styles go later in your code
1: is it only later am i saying even if the bootstrap styles are later i want the at bruce layer to take precedence or am i saying i want the at bruce level layer to take precedence over everything regardless of whether it's later or more specific
0: yeah both the order and specificity I'll make it my homework for the next episode, really. So yeah, that's that's how it works. You'll be able to specify the actual order. It's good for uh, theming your website mm-hmm. to have different kind of uh, uh, styles included over some previously declared styles. And there's another use case I just remembered, and uh, you can refactor old code with this. So if you wrap your legacy code written like 10 years ago, into layer at rule and you call it legacy for example you can make sure that any style you write outside of this legacy layer will take precedence over your legacy code you don't have to fight nesting ids and you have to use important to uh, override uh, those styles super useful that does sound to me good actually no
1: I, I, I was put off because when you said you know take back control that's been such a terrible thing for the UK oh and the US over the last <laughs> few years that uh, that immediately upset me but uh, but now you've given me a concrete use case without the uh the call to right-wing populism then yeah I'm I'm behind it
0: I'm not going to say like to make us skate great again or nonsense like that <laughs> to to further uh, offend you so
1: And I think the uh Well, this sounds like something to keep an eye on. I mean, it's a first public working draft, and therefore it is by no means, folks, should you be typing in, you know, know, if you want to call things at Vadim and at Bruce, we wouldn't be sad, but even so, don't, because um, this is by no means in browsers yet. This is really the very, very first draft of something that's, it's going to take time to come to browsers, but the fact there's a first public working draft is kind of indicative that it's going to get there at some point you know things that are in first public working draft are generally considered by all to be not stupid and needs more work before it hits you so you know consider it like css grid or something it's uh it's on its way which is a good thing Talking of on its way, and talking of a good thing, the first public super, super, super rough draft I've written on the back of my envelope in crayon draft of the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines three is out, which is the uh, yes, uh, the W three C guidelines for making things accessible, and WCAG three is out for comment. If these things matter to you, stay tuned. If you are somebody who works with this stuff day to day, don't just stay tuned; get commenting because it's an entirely different model. It's an entirely different way of thinking. It only came out yesterday, so I haven't really looked at it in great detail. But um, the man who knows everything, Patrick Lauker, has already um, put his Lauka seal of disapproval on it. Patrick is grumpy again. Patrick is grumpy again, yeah. I don't even think it WCAG. I think it's just WAG, this Web Accessibility Guidelines, because it is it, designed to encompass apps internal tools, extensions, etc. But it's sort of going on a... points-based system where you can say, you know, I'm WAG3 bronze, 72%, or I'm WAG3 silver, 64%.
0: Uh, Let's take a step back. Um, You said that it's not web content accessibility guidelines anymore. And I also saw they said that W3C accessibility guidelines, WCAG, 3.0, mm-hmm. working draft, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it used to be Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, but it's now something different. So they d- decided to rename it and keep the same abbreviation or words. Well, as far as I understand, WCAG
1: 2.1 or 2.2, whatever it is now, will not be deprecated. That will still be your guidelines for web content but it's acknowledging that not everything we consume over the internet is the web as we know it right and and certainly in in the current contract i'm working on you know we're doing forgive me vadim for i have sinned uh react native stuff that compiles down to ios and android and it's like well the only standards that we can sensibly apply to this are the WCAG guidelines, even though technically this isn't web content because although it might have been authored using web stuff, it's compiled down to, you know, whatever actually lurks behind the scene in Android.
0: I don't know, is it is it C, is it Swift or Swivel or... Uh, Well, it's Java probably, but uh, so yeah, they they, they usually compile it into native code, but they control it via JavaScript. So they have JavaScript core from WebKit running inside of it and controlling everything. So yeah, basically it's not web anymore.
1: Yeah, but nevertheless, the, the, the best guidelines that we have are things like, you know, is everything focusable from any modality? So we're, apply- we're we're sort of trying to squeeze WCAG guidelines onto things that are not web content anymore. So I think it's legitimate to widen the guidelines to say things, I mean, basically, are things perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust? Those are legitimate things to ask of any platform. The question is, how do you frame those? and give success criteria in a manner which can be tested on the web and on Android and on iOS and on you know, Vadim OS when you launch your own company and or, or, or whatever's coming next. And the problem is at the moment... And I'm channeling my inner Patrick here. So I'm going to try not too much longer because it's Friday night, so I don't want to be grumpy all evening. But the trouble is with WCAG is it's now been enshrined into law. In many countries, WCAG 2.1 is effectively law. Yeah, And therefore, you can't change it because legislation sits upon it. If not written down, de facto legislation sits upon WCAG 2.1. So they can't change that. So WCAG or WAG-3 attempts to be wider ranging, but then are the success criteria so hand-wavy that they can't actually be sensibly implemented by a developer? I'm not talking about you know a massive company who has hundreds of lawyers i'm talking about a a conscientious developer working on her own who wants to do the right thing isn't it uh, why they call it guidelines not rules Mm. in the same way as they call w three C standards they call them recommendations when we call them standards so uh, that i mean that that's um I hate to say that but you're playing with semantics there but uh, but again I mean it, it's super early days it, they've said you know this is this isn't even a first public working draft this is a back of an envelope sketch of what we're thinking it might be and you're invited to not only critique individual guidelines of which there are few but you're invited to critique the whole approach but if you are somebody whose job or livelihood depends upon accessibility auditing or or legislating if you're that high level you should probably get involved now if you're somebody who is you know like most of us is ultimately just going to be told meet these criteria i suggest you wait a little while but it's it
0: it's up for grabs now and it's worth having a look at if that's your thing yeah, I actually found the explanation of this uh, WCAG uh, three and two differences. So yeah, it's uh, WCAG two is Web co- Content Accessibility Guidelines, and WCAG three is W three C Accessibility gu- Guidelines. So they explained it in this uh, on this page. I wonder if they're gonna uh, develop this. Uh, WCAG two line further, or they're just going to stick to line three as default for every platform.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is with WCAG two, you know, it, its subversions is actually nobody really looks at that. Everybody looks at the techniques for meeting the the criteria because that's where you actually get the the stuff that you can implement. So I imagine that there'll be a WAG-3 stuff you can implement on Android, stuff you can implement on iOS, stuff you can implement on Vadim OS, and stuff you can implement in HTML. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. It just means that those of us who are doing contracts in which we're obliged to look at React naive things in iOS and Android, we we at least have some guidelines that we're sure apply to us. Because at the moment, it's a very gray area. It's like, does this meet accessibility criteria? Well, I don't know, because I'm looking at the web content accessibility guidelines, but the stuff I'm looking at is now actually native code. Yeah, that's true. I can only assume that adhering to the spirit of web content accessibility guidelines will get me in the right place, but I have no guarantee thereof. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I hear Patrick's grumpiness, but I've heard Patrick's grumpiness for a decade. But it's early days, so... If you have opinions, folks, get involved and tell them Vadim sent you.
0: Uh, And once this thing uh, becomes a bit more solid, we can invite Patrick and talk about it.
1: Absolutely. But we won't do it on a Friday night, because otherwise we'll be grumpy the whole weekend. (laughs) And so, once again, dear friends, we sail away on the good ship Bruce and the good ship Vadim. He will be going up on the, uh, what's the river that goes through St. Petersburg? Never. Okay, he's never going up on the river that's going through (laughs) St. Petersburg. I shall be going through the river Brum on my little ship. Uh, I'm going to be watching interesting telly. What's your plan for the weekend, Vadim? Rock and roll, women, wine and song? Trying not to get to jail, for example. Well, you try not to go to jail. I shall try not to get COVID. And if both of our plans succeed, dear listeners, we shall speak to you next time. Thank you for being with us. This was the F word. Goodbye. Bye.